this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Tom, when you're meditating and supposed to be thinking about nothing, what food are you actually thinking about? You know, after watching this episode, I kind of feel like the answer is brisket because I love a good brisket. But you know what? I'll go with my pork belly. Pork belly is always on my mind. I just love that gooey, tender piece of meat. And it's close to the brisket. So I'll go with pork belly for lunch. Now, when I'm meditating, I'm thinking about food. And when I'm thinking about food, I'm always thinking about pizza, Tom. There is no food on the planet where the gap between consumption of it and thinking about it is larger than pizza because I would eat it every day. And I don't. Cold pizza or hot pizza? Does it matter? Slightly above room temperature pizza. Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstrow. Tom, it's the barbecue episode, the Texas barbecue episode. That means brisket, the aforementioned brisket. Look, you can't have Top Chef Houston or Top Chef anywhere in the state of Texas where this isn't a tentpole episode, which is interesting, Tom, because I thought it was oddly a big, small episode. Huge steaks, it's barbecue, bragging rights essential to the season's narrative and yet it was a little bit 
kind of, I don't want to say anticlimactic. There were some nice moments, but it just, it seemed like a small, big challenge. It did. I think a lot of it was because brisket, it's hard to F up brisket, especially when they're not cooking it. It felt like a lot of that drama of how do I execute this dish? So much of it was taken away by they just handing the keys to the pit master and it really didn't showcase their ability to cook. What it did showcase was, can you season the dish? And that was what was really upsetting. And we'll get into it about Ashley is, you know, for her, the Afrolachian cuisine, I kind of felt like she would be able to season and just nail this, this protein. And it didn't happen that way. So I, I, I'm with you. I thought this episode, I was really looking forward to like, Oh yeah, this is the main event. This is what everyone's been waiting for. And it did lack some of that drama. It did lack some of that magnitude of top chef. It's a tough challenge for the producers themselves, right? Because as you say, the chefs are responsible for seasoning their brisket. They're obviously responsible for sort of the handling, the resting of the meat, but it's that in between period where I mean, the pit pitmasters separate from one another in terms of just skill and guile and, and and just finesse. On the other hand, I don't know how a viewer of a competition show watches a chef watching meat <laughs> or a smoker, right? Like, how would it play? I want see that was the thing. I I felt like that was essential. If you're going to be graded as a chef on your pit mastering skills, you should actually master the pit. And yet, I don't know how you make television out of that. I mean, maybe it was one of those things where, like, they couldn't leave the room for 14 hours, right? Like, like we're, we're, we're almost their hostage to their meat, which essentially <laughs> is much of what pit mastering is. I mean, what makes it such an, a rarefied skill is it just requires discipline. I mean, it's tedious, right? Like, you know, my buddy Steve, who ever, you know, Super Bowl traditionally, we got together, he'd bring his smoker or we'd use my grill and he'd turn it into a smoker like MacGyver. And like Steve would come over at 7 a.m. on Super Bowl Sunday morning on the West Coast and like he would just be out there and like wouldn't be able to go much stray far from the from the actual meat. And I wonder if, if again, I'm with you, it's, it's strange. They weren't really graded as pit masters. They were graded as, well, it was basically a quick fire long form edition. It was, here's some brisket, you seasoned it, and yeah, you kind of have to rest it, even though that's not a huge, huge thing. It's just watching a clock. Go make something out of this. And I also feel like it's a little close to the beef episode, the first mm -hmm. one, where it was just, it seemed like very similar to that. And when a lot of the dishes are coming out and it's, you know, the little tagline from Top Chef, the little copy that says that the, the, the dish itself, and it starts with smoked brisket, da, 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 da. And like seven of them were just smoked brisket, da, 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 da. And so it did feel a lot of one note. Um, the innovation of the dishes didn't really stand out, although my guy Buddha comes through again with a little bit of outside the box thinking. Um, but yeah, let's let's start from the top because uh, we got a lot of Brooke Williamson. We got her on uh, Last Chance Kitchen from last week as well. I think she is just I mean, she she could just do this show in her sleep. I think she's amazing. Well, she's that's super talented. I, I love Brooke Williams. I've, I've always had a thing for Brooke from the beginning of Pack Your Knives. Um, and now that she's part of this episode, she's got really good chemistry with Tom. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I know that she's not kind of the quintessential pit master or the barbecue expert, but I just love having her on the show. I really like Brooke. One of my like favorite contestants. I mean, she's sort of as a contestant, always had that combination of confidence, 
humility at the at the sheer magnitude of the challenges. She was a, just self a little self-deprecating, a little bit of a skeptic. I always enjoyed her as a contestant. I like her as a judge. I don't love her as a host standing in front of today, chefs. Um, I, I don't think she's a natural for that. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm a huge. I, I I love Brooke Williamson. I don't I don't know that she is the greatest MC for the show. I kind of like her in a more consulting role, right? Where she comes in on a big challenge, you know, provides support or, or guidance for you know the, you know the, the chefs. But I'm not. I don't know that I'm as in love with her as you are as a sort of MC as. as as sort of a game official, if you, if you will. You're saying she's more Scottie Pippen than Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's more just like, I, I like the, the less, the more organic her function is on the show. Like she's obviously a chef. So watching her be a contestant as a chef is awesome as a judge. Like, okay, she's obviously an accomplished chef and she could sit around with other accomplished chefs grating and dishing on food. That works for me. Is she a host? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know that she would, Let's put it this way. If you, were, you and I were starting a new cooking competition show, obviously, I think she'd be on the long list. I don't know that she would be on the short list for me. Whereas, like, Melissa, to me, sort of has an absolute kind of perfect – even Kwame, who's, who I've had some issues with as a judge, I really like him as an MC. Joe Flam, also in there. Three functions, right? How are you as a contestant? Are you charismatic? Do I want to watch you struggle in the kitchen, overcome things in the kitchen, present your food, et cetera? Two is, are you a good participant at the judge's table? And then number three is, are you actually a host? Do, you, do we want you standing up there saying, today, chefs, you are going to, I don't know, parachute out of a plane and and make a beurre blanc on the way down. Cook a, an omelet. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I like her in one. I like her a lot in two. I'm more ambivalent about three. We open with Brooke coming in and she introduces the challenge of the day, which is the barbecue brisket. Yay, we're in Texas. And I have it in my notes. I don't know if you had the same uh, pump fake here where I wrote like starting, I started out with writing down quick fire challenge and then wait a minute, no quick fire. Okay, we're doing this again. Um, and so there was a curveball in the beginning. I, I fell for it. I, I thought that there was going to be no quick fire and they start their brisket. Um, and they're introduced to the pit master Willow. Who's, uh, who's got a really cool story. If we have time, we'll, we'll hit that later. But the, the idea is, Hey, we're going to do a brisket your way. Um, and it's going to cook for 12 hours. So get it going now. And then we'll circle back, um, tomorrow. And then, Kevin, we start to get a little feel for which direction they're going. And I, I, I think Ashley, you know, initially was talking about uh, potato slicks. I, I don't know what potato slicks are, but I, I learned that in this episode. Potato slicks are basically flatter dumplings. They're not fully formed dumplings. They're more kind of dumplings on the fly. And and I would I would very much welcome an actual chef to correct me on this, but that's always been my sense of kind of what slicks are. I thought that she was going to do well here. Just the idea of maybe even doing like uh, Lexington style brisket or something like that to go back to her North Carolina roots. And she does a little bit of that in her dish, but it didn't really, it wasn't composed. It wasn't really put together. Um, but let's, let's talk about the, the big star of the show this season, Jackson. Okay. Jackson is coming in here, Kevin, with no taste or smell. We've already done that, but he's very self-deprecating and confident where he goes to the pit master himself and is like, I've never done brisket. I don't know what I'm doing. And in fact, I'm committing a cardinal sin by basically taking this beautiful 
cut of meat, slice of meat with the, with the rind, with the beautiful crust. I just think that, you know, that like trend on YouTube, maybe this is, this is outdating us unboxing how like people will just watch people open packages or open gifts, unboxing things. Wait, wait, hold on. That's a thing. Maze, back me up here. This is a thing, right? Wait, people watch people. I'm sorry. Open gifts. Just. Yep. It's a big thing, Kevin. People taking videos of their kids on Christmas morning. Is that what you're talking about? Unboxing is a huge thing on YouTube where you vulture in on someone unboxing. You want the surprise reaction of the person. Oh, wow. Look, open up the Nike. I want all of our listeners to just imagine the sheer look of perplexitude on <laughs> Kevin's face right now. He's never been more confounded by anything in his life. Yes. Wait, I, I'm just, we, I, I can't, I, are we just like completely culturally impoverished that people, like people watch, like I watch puppies all the time. Yes. By the way, I will watch a walrus play the saxophone at the Istanbul <laughs> Zoo. I will watch a squirrel water ski. I love, like, I get that. Maybe that's just a question of personal taste. Unboxing is you get the sensation of opening up a gift, but you're not actually doing it yourself. And you get to have that, that dopamine hit of like the surprise. And the reaction is like, whoa, look at these shoes or whoa, look at this TV or whoa. But I thought that's, that's, that's why we watch like Price is Right or a game show. Like you watch the money go up and you watch the sheer thrill of someone who wins the car. A new car, right? Like that's the cultural meme is a new car. No, no, no. No. No, 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 Kevin. So this is nothing new about this. Isn't it fun to get a package in the mail and like take your little knife or your keys and opening it up and having that that big rush of like, oh, there it is. There it is in, in the box. Oh, yes. It's, it's great watching like my prostate medicine come from Walgreens in the mail. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> come watch me open that sometimes. It's fantastic. All right. So, Kevin, Ryan's world on YouTube, okay? Yes. It's a little kid named Ryan. 32 million subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> 32 million. His most popular video from five years ago, which is called Huge Eggs Surprise Toys Challenge with Inflatable Water Slide. It's just him jumping on an inflatable water slide. Two billion views. Oh, two billion. Two billy. Oh, Ryan, go read a fucking book. <laughs> he'll unbox a book, maybe, and then he'll yeah. put it aside next it. to yep. all of his other items. Oh, God. And make a billion dollars. I know we want to get back to the show, but all right. All right, let's do this mental exercise. Where's Ryan in 30 years? <laughs> his brain is destroyed. He's probably run through all of his... YouTube money. There's nothing left to unbox. Or his parents embezzled it from him. You know, there's a whole scandal. He sues his dad in about 15 years. Exactly. He's going to be in emancipation in 15 years, right? 100%. The reason why I bring up unboxing is because I feel like a smoked brisket is like unboxing. It's this black blob, right? And no one knows how it's going to look when you cut it open. And it's kind of like the show. Is it cake? right? Where you slice open the brisket and you finally get to see how gooey it is inside, how fatty it is, and whether it was cooked well and how juicy it is. Man, I could watch a slice brisket video on YouTube on repeat. I think that sensation (laughs) is just dopamine crack. It's just, it's awesome. So when, when they're doing this episode, I'm just waiting to see when they cut open that brisket. Oh, it's so beautiful, Kevin. I will not knock your hobbies. But as you said, 
there was a twist. There actually was a quick fire, which honestly, I don't think is like this massive twist. It's just, or it's, it's reordering the show. But they're going to do Texas toast, which is basically just fancy toast. Fancy toast. Shouts to Carrie Baird. Yes, from Colorado. Love it. Good to have the spirit of Carrie back. Top Chef Colorado, they're going to do Texas Toast. Really interesting choices. There was a group of three chefs who decided to go sweet, Monique, Evelyn, and Buddha. Monique and Buddha actually both do meal foy, yeah. which is like that kind of layered pastry that's always so pretty. Evelyn also goes sweet. We have um, kind of a whole pizza division to Barn Ashley. Yeah, weird. I know you love it. I mean, I don't – it's not necessarily what I would do with, with this, but DeMar does a great pizza toast with some fried prosciutto. Um, Ashley does a little pizza roll-up, which I think is kind of cute. Uh, Jay goes uh, Vietnamese shrimp toast, which is a dish I love. Um, but the three kind of toppers were Nick, Jackson, and Joe. Joe does a mushroom arugula toast. What did Jackson do again, Tom? Jackson did the shrimp toast. Uh, it was a little acidic and spicy. And look, Jackson's just on fire, man. Yes. Like he he can't do anything wrong. No taste buds, no problem. No problem, man. He is just – who needs senses when you can just cook your ass off? He is fantastic. And like the aw shucks attitude that he has where it's like, ah, I can't I can't believe I'm still doing this. But like I'm, I'm basically committing all of these cardinal sins left and right and still coming out on top. He's a juggernaut. And I'm, isn't he, he's an L.A. chef. I kind of feel like, Kevin, you got to start I know. figuring out where he's cooking. You got to go hit up Jackson. I got to go over to Venice and, and, and check out his place. Um, but the winner – uh, for the first time, I believe. Am I correct that Nick, with his BLT on ciabatta, yep, that looked delicious. Good to see Nick finish on top. Yeah, he gets the 10K, and I want to spend a little time here on Buddha's what he would do with 10K, Kevin. But there's some little bit at stake here. Whoever wins the challenge will win immunity and ten thousand dollars. Oh, goddamn! <laughs> ten thousand dollars for toast. Game on. If I was to win $10,000, I'd pay my pug's eye surgery. No sh- gone blind. I have lots of questions, Kevin. Mm-hmm. How old is this pug? 41. Maybe this is a young pu- a puppy that just needs LASIK. Is that such a thing? I don't even know. Do, do, can dogs get LASIK? I don't know, but I, I, I do think cataracts are very common in dogs. Yeah. I hope never to have to, to worry about it, but um, I do know that it is an issue. Uda says, no, I'm not going to you know go spend it on a vacation. I'm not going to go put some money down for a new house or anything like that. He loves his dog so much, his pug, that he wants to help his pug out. And I, I thought that was amazing. It is. And I didn't know that there was such a thing. But you know what? Now, now that I have adopted a, a German Shepherd who I think – Piper is her eyes are okay, but now that I know that there is, you know, corrective eye surgery possible according to Buddha, now I know this whole world exists. So kudos to Buddha for for stepping up and saying this is what I would do. There are a lot of people out there that that think, you know what, pets don't deserve that kind of investment. But you know what? Shouts to Buddha getting in the top three uh, later in the episode, but on this one it was Nick who get, who wins the immunity. And Buddha, usually when he won immunity, well, DeMar did it too, just kicked ass. I feel like Nick, with this immunity, he did not go in that same direction. It was a little safe to me on his on his larger dish. But Kevin's team, Nick, Joe, and Jackson getting some points, chipping away on the fantasy scoring. You get three points for Nick and then one for Joe and one for Jackson. It's not my season so far, Kevin. I was with you on Nick. I was a little disappointed he played it so safe having immunity. 
on the bar. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, two chefs that finished on the bottom in quick fire were Monique with her Milfoy, uh, it, which is interesting because I had just said as recently, I think as last week, that hey, I don't worry about Monique, right? Like she's not, you know, she's, she's not going to make any decisive errors at this point in the season. And do I think she's material for the finale? Probably not, but um, she's sort of a low variance um, chef. Uh, and then Luke, who to me is the quintessential high variant chef testant. Tom and Eddie, you know, yeah. So. What do you do? Like this, there's a moment in this episode where he asks Nick how to like properly cook a brisket where he's like, uh, what do I do here? And Nick is like, oh, you smoke it by putting the fatty side down. And I thought that was a very nice thing for Nick to do is to tell him how to do it. But it reminds me that Luke just out over his skis on a lot of these episodes. But I think with, with Luke is he is going to have some more wins before it's all over in the sense that I think in terms of variance, he is a guy who is at times the most creative chef in the kitchen will probably get a win or two before it's all over. Um, but he's also a guy who can mm. just mis-execute a very basic quick fire, right? Like it, it, salt on salt. I mean, they called it a salt, like his crawfish and chorizo emulsion on focaccia. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, like he makes as much unedible food as anybody in that kitchen. And yet he also <laughs> technically, as we saw last week, you can bring it is as advanced as anybody in that kitchen. And so he's one of those high variant chefs where Tom, like he might get you another 30 points before he flames out, but he also might next week completely just not put something on a plate or put something inedible on a plate. So whereas Monique, I thought was a low variant chef, but with her kind of very like milfoy, like tea sandwiches, I think someone called it. Um, one of the, one of the chefs, just didn't do well. Yeah. When she was like, I got to bring some major flavor to this cause it's too bland. And then she brings in like a, a mushroom that she basically un, an uncooked mushroom. I was like, man, that's, that's not going to really correct for that lack of flavor. But, um, you know, on my team, she, she had two duds in this episode. She was in the bottom three for the quick fire and the bottom three later in the episode. So like you said, it seems like she was going to be in the middle. Um, but she is definitely playing with fire here. So, you know, we get a little glimpse of Ashley's unsalted or lack of seasoning for her brisket. She's worried about that when she first tastes it. I mean, talk about being ominous on Top Chef is when you get a brisket out and you're 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 complaining that it's unsalted or not seasoned enough. That's a kiss of death. And I hope that she was going to bring in the components and be able to rally, but she was not able to do that. I have some suggestions for her. I mean, I think I was disappointed in her plate, largely because – so one of the things in Texas, as in North Carolina as well, is like there's an entire division when you see the sort of really good lists of best barbecue in Texas or best barbecue in the Carolinas. And it's the sandwich division. Right. Like a tech, like a brisket. Like there are places in Texas that is known like, oh, why do you go to that place? Because they have the best sandwich. And I just thought that now she did try to do a brioche. She didn't have enough time. But I, I was wondering if there was any way she is oh. by far and away the best baker in the field. Right. You're talking about Monique here. Yeah, yeah Monique. And I, I just felt like that Monique missed an opportunity and even though she tried to do the brioche why not just say hey all these other chefs are going to be doing their kind of slab brisket on the plate with the components i'm going to be the person who just does my take on what is one of the real sort of division Staple, leaders yeah, yeah, yeah. staples of t texas cooking or texas barbecue which is the barbecue sandwich and i made my bread and here's my sort of sauce and my top like i thought that was a missed opportunity for me she just kind of even i thought that's what she was gonna do with the brioche i have a theory i think she was gonna do that 
Kevin. But then when she couldn't cook it enough, she realized she can't have that be a central player on the plate. She had to toss it to this side. I think the plan was to do a sandwich and then realize I got to call an audible here when it didn't settle. And so that's why we get this lame ass beasts and potatoes and eh. Yeah. Because that was sort of like a Monique, Monique making a bar. She, I had this thing like, oh, she could win making a barbecue sandwich with her version of the Texas toast, like as the thing, while everyone else is kind of putting large hunks of meat on a plate with random pickles and, and whatever else. It's beginning to be a little worrisome, Kevin, in this episode or in Top Chef this season. I feel like when people are like, this is my forte, I'm going to do my cooking and I'm just going to nail it. It hasn't worked out for the chefs. I remember Stephanie saying the same thing about beef is just like meat and potatoes. I can do that. Mays rightfully chiming in here in the chat. Sam's potatoes. I do potatoes better than anybody. I'm going to do potatoes. The Samalo. Samalu. Then we have Joe saying, I'm going to do pasta because I do pasta. That's my thing. I'm going to do pasta. And she goes uh, almost out. And also you have Monique who's like, you know what? I might not have time to bake this brioche, but you know, I'm going to do it anyway because I do. I'm, I'm a baker. I know how to do bread. This is beginning to be a little bit of a cautionary tale. Whenever you decide to be like, you know what? I'm going to go back to my roots and I know it's really not for this challenge, but I'm going to do something that I know I can do well. And they fuck it up. They fuck it up more often than not. It's so bizarre. It's a funny show though, because so Jackson and Joe both make the same decision, which to your point is the sharpest tools in my shed is pasta making. So I'm going to make a pasta. Now I had the red flag on Jackson. I'm like, again, we, 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 one of the themes of our commentary over the years is there are these obvious cardinal sins in Top Chef, right? Don't buy store made or canned chickpeas or, or packaged waffles, right? Like don't like, and, and the, one of the great hallmarks of the show in terms of do's and don'ts is make the main keep the main thing the main thing like keep, that ingredient is supposed to be showcased it's a star it's a brisket challenge so when i see jackson coming off a pretty strong quick fire performance decide he's going to make pasta i'm just like dude come on this is the this is the sand trap this is where you you know to avoid this which is you're going to if you have to ask is it sacrilege in texas to grind <laughs> brisket the answer is yes if you have to ask on top chef the answer is yes and yet you know he and joe both make you know choose the same tack and yet joe comes this close to being eliminated and jackson possibly comes this close to to winning and 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 perhaps the lesson for me is the rules are the rules until they're not the rules or it's all about the execution, right? Like the truth is, yeah, feel free to make pasta, uh, brisket pasta, but it, make it good or make sure. And, and there were some very nice mo – like I think the, the answer is is that he had the frame of mind and the presence of mind rather to make a burnt end in cornbread crumb. There. Is there anything better than a burnt end, Kevin? I'm sorry. I know you're off the whole meat thing. No, but- I mean I, I, look, I know the, the joy of a burnt end, but also even the the – the burr bouquet sauce, making a burr rouge out of. So what he did is he like it was his compensation. It was almost a nod, and I think the chefs, the, the judges appreciated it. It's like, hey guys, I know this is a brisket challenge, and I know I'm doing the thing that your the chef is not supposed to do, which is make is put it through a freaking grinder and put it in pasta. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and stuff pasta full. But what I will do is acknowledge. So I'm going to have some creative touches. A 
barbecue sauce, a cornbread and burnt in crumble. And I, and I thought that was like, whereas Joe is just basically like, yeah, some cabbage, corn, kale, harissa. By the way, cabbage, corn, and kale, they're things I like about all three of those things. Is there anything, like, Tom, if you look at, like, um, like yeah, that, that's what I want with, like, kale, corn, and cabbage. I mean, I get it if you're going to lighten up something that's super heavy, but she screwed up in that she didn't even feature any of the brisket. So you end up having a pasta dish with a bunch of, you know, filler, bland items that are supposed to soak up that fat that, that, that is supposed to cut through the savoriness of a, of a, of a, of a brisket. And she doesn't bring any brisket to the table. Whereas on the other side, I thought Jackson was smart. And he said, you know what, I'm going to do pasta, but it's going to be a scarpanoche, right? Or a scarpanache or whatever you call it. I'm not good with my little like pasta shapes, but yeah, it seemed like something that allowed but for his you. idea was I'm going to do a very thinly sliced pasta where the star of the show is going to continue to be the brisket. Whereas Joe confused the two and did a reversal is that the pasta is going to be the star and the ancillary. Hey listener, it's your favorite butcher turn podcast. Producer may is here to talk to you about butcher box. A not so wise man once said it's not that hard. Just chop chop. Who knew that he was talking about pork chops from butcher box. It's not that hard. It's easy to get high quality meat and seafood you can trust delivered right to your doorstep. Free shipping, always a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. You get exactly what you need. Premium ingredients for your meals to feed your family. I know how it is. You go to the grocery store. You're stressed. You got a lot of food to get. And then you got to wait in line at the butcher counter. Maybe your butcher is a tall man with an attitude. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but maybe it happened to you. That's why I love ButcherBox. You've always got meat in the freezer or in the fridge. You're ready to cook at any time, and you're not going to find such high quality at such low prices anywhere else. So sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and use code dings at checkout to enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus $20 off. Again, that is butcherbox.com slash dings, and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S. Chop, chop! We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The the supporting actor in this is going to be the brisket. And I thought she was going to go home. I was actually surprised that Ashley went home. Monique, like you said... Kind of what what the whole brioche thing? We love the bone marrow aspect, the honey glaze, like that. I I, I'm, I get that, but the idea didn't come together. I thought Ashley was going to be safe uh, because I I just thought that Joe was a total dud. That dish was a total dud, it um, was. and it was one of those things where. You know how the the rule of Top Chef is don't fuck up the protein, and she fucked up the protein on this one. Like she didn't even bring it to the table. There was almost no brisket to be, um, to be said for. So I thought in this episode, we were going to see Joe go home, which is a, you know, team Kevin, you get to keep her. Ashley is kicked out. Ashley. 
please pack your knives and go. Thank you. This has been a really great opportunity. Listen, we'll see you on Last Chance Kitchen, and my advice is always cook from your heart. Thank you. Thank you, Chef. Oh, this sucks. Sucks. There's always Last Chance Kitchen, right? I enjoy being thoughtful and intentional in everything I do, but I just overthought, and it's very unfortunate for me right now. I didn't expect that at all. It's a blow to my confidence, but I'm ready for Last Chance Kitchen. I'm determined to win. Kevin, I screwed up on the drafting. We both did on the drafting. We had a top four of you went with Robert and then I went with Buddha, Ashley, and then you came in with Sarah. And now three of those four are gone. It's bad. And we'll do a redraft in a few minutes. Um, I don't want to bury the lead here, which is I think the best story of the episode was the hometown win for Evelyn. Yes. What's, what's really great about it is it, not only is it a hometown win, but it's not as if pit mastering is her trade. She obviously does a lot of Southeast Asian flavors and, and, and techniques um, she it, it draws from Mexican techniques and, and, and flavors and prep, and yet here she does. She or she goes and does something. Talk about a cardinal that don't make curry for Padma. Never, never mind curry out of brisket. And she does this lovely dish that is just so homey. You know, a top of like a, a brisket curry, a top of aromatic rice, lemongrass scallions, some pickled relish, and this crumble that I I honestly, Tom, like I want to see if I can do some approximation of this. Pistachio, garlic, and burnt end crumble. Nutty, mm. pungent, meaty, like like what a great way to introduce texture and it's something that can kind of get overwhelmed by sauce, you know, rice and salt. Like it, it was such a great idea. And a way to both work your strengths. It's something that all the other, a lot of the other chefs had trouble doing, which is how do I incorporate my strengths, which have nothing to do with pit mastering, into a dish that is supposed to feature smoked brisket. And and as you said, you know, it was interesting as I'm writing out, it's everybody's was smoked brisket with, smoked brisket with. And she was one of the non-withers. You know, she and Jackson were the non-withers. And and to some extent, you could argue Buddha as well. Buddha too, yeah. Such yep. a departure. He also finished at the top. Um, you know, beef um, bourguignon with, with with brisket, a potato croquette, that lovely little rose petal uh, made oh, out of yeah. a raw beet, caramelized onion jam, bacon. But but Evelyn to win the hometown challenge, which meant a ton to her. Clearly, one of the most likable chefs we've seen come through um, in a long time. Uh, is is just. Is a it, 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 it's just a benevolent spirit, yet not precious either. Like I just, I'm, I'm a, becoming a huge Evelyn fan. I kind of lucked out with this pick, and has a lot of game. I mean, she really is strong. Talk about threading the needle on this one, Kevin. Not only has she got so much pressure in being the hometown chef and seeing, it's not just one thing to be cooking in your hometown; it's another to be presenting your food to a room full of people that are your friends are your family. It's like, this is, this is the fraternity that they're, uh, of, of Texas barbecue in Houston. She's, she mentioned she's a part of it. Not only did she have that kind of pressure going into this episode, she also had the Padma curry thing. In 19 seasons, all the curries that have been attempted on this show, Padma and cast around it, just 
came together perfectly. In 19 seasons, all the curries that have been attempted on this show, Padma always has issues with them. I had absolutely no issue with your curry. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> this is the curry I've been looking for. In Houston, for. apparently. Hats off to Evelyn on this episode because she really just had the degree of difficulty and the pressure. She could have really screwed up here and falling prey to just the hometown pressure and the curry dynamic man she just what a win from her listen i, I don't want to i want to be careful with comps i know we do this in basketball recklessly and um it is very early but in terms of i had to kind of place her in the top chef ecosystem there's a lot of chef gregory in her and i just want to go back for a couple of episodes to sort of a lot of the wins she's been putting up on the board the adobo con queso with taro chips remember the queso challenge finishes near the top right um the chilled remember the we talked about the poached the chilled yeah. poached chicken salad with uh rambutan and avocado crema on a sesame crisp this is a really gutsy thing you have lychee with a chilled ugh, you know and it yet it, it, it again finishes at the top remember the um the biscuit challenge with her poached egg chorizo country gravy and marinated tomatoes what i'm saying with with, with gregory is there's that thing where he always finished near the top and you looked at the plate and he's like oh he just combined kind of a little spice, a little sweet, a little acid, like that nice combinations where where there's nothing molecular going on there. It is just precise, like the exact perfect ratio and assembly of all those different aspects. She did it again with um uh you know this one and and even the last week when she finished toward the bottom like frankly i don't think it was her goat cheese cheesecake and cardamom chocolate sauce that was the problem the problem was joe's yeah pork belly that was neither crispy nor tender in cauliflower puree so she's but the thing is she's just racking up wins i mean again she did pretty well in the texas toast she's not making a lot of errors except in team competition. And she is doing that thing where, really, that one? And you realize, that, yeah, yeah, she is, she knows how to apportion out characteristics on the plate. And, and I just, again, it's very Chef Gregory to me in terms of if you're looking for sort of who's her tree in, in the top chef ecosystem. And I think it, it is Gregory. I love that comp. I love that comp. That's a very astute observation on the Gregory thing because I, I hadn't really put those two to two together. And now that you mentioned the ingredients and the elements of her dishes, it, it does have a through line there. So I think, I think she has been coming on really strong, very sneaky here. And in our point system right now, she's the second top score. You have Jackson at 26 head and shoulders above the competition, maybe nose and, and tongue above the competition. Nope. He doesn't have those senses. So no nope, poor metaphor there. I, I want to talk, go back to Ashley a little bit. Um, I, I was very high on her. Um, she came out of the box, like really strong, that Kitfo in the very first week with the red rice crumble, you know, I'm loving what she's doing. Um, you know, she won, she beat Luke in, a, in that little head-to-head -head football thing with a nice, those turkey meatballs with the teff. Remember, she's working with these sort of Ethiopian flavors. Um, she's really looking strong. Um, you know, the beef skewer, the, the, the night market, yeah, a little, Daikon, little strange. No yeah, yeah, the Tycon was too bad. You know, just seems sort of a, but it, it's kind of been a really fast decline. The fried pepper, uh, black pepper biscuit, that fried biscuit with a massive hunk of ham look very um but then yeah it comes back with the great um you know that's with luke last week with the scallop with the king oyster mushroom looks the same 
acts the same, doesn't taste the same. And yet here she's back. I mean, it's just she she's she's really been struggling. I don't think the pizza roll up was anything to write home about, probably. Um, and and now she's it's done. And and I'm just really sort of happened quickly. Uh, just sort of like one of those pitchers that's going through mowing them down and then like everything, like the wheels fall off and they fell off quickly here. Rick Ankiel might be a good comp. A Rick Ankiel, yeah. Where it's just you forgot to do your food. You forgot how to pitch. You forgot to throw it down the pipe. And I think Ashley um, what can you say? She screwed up a bunch of times and she was lucky to stay in, in the competition. And here she finally goes home. I thought maybe Joe deserved to go home, but, um, that was my guess going into that last moment there at the judges table. Ashley just, I don't know what they kept saying that she's overthinking things. That was sort of a strange sort of rap. I, I don't, yeah. is that what's going on there? She didn't season her food. She was under seasoned. Yeah. It's under seasoned. That's the la- That's the opposite. She just forgot the most important thing, which was like, make sure it's, it's seasoned. Also, nobody wants a piece of brisket dropped in a soup. This isn't overthinking. I think it's just bad judgment. Like mm. nobody wants, look, I, I'm off the red meat now, but I have spent more hours driving the roads of central and west texas looking for barbecue and finding it and devouring it nobody ever you want to you you talked it you 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 said it yourself right a few minutes ago there's nothing like that open box of cutting that 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 watching them cut that cut of fatty brisket and the and the juices that's been perfectly rested there's nothing about that that says you know what i wish it wasn't in that great butcher paper i wish this thing was sitting in a goop of cream collard soup like who who's asking for that no not and, not and me and i'm frustrated because i was a huge fan of ashley like i i was disappointed you nabbed her fourth i wanted to you know i i loved her fish fry i loved her i mean i was very excited to see sort of um kind of appalachian slash ethiopian cooking uh I just there was everything about her i really like and i'm just sort of disappointed i don't think there's overthinking here i think there is just Nobody wants the massive piece of radish on their beef skewer. Nobody wants their brisket dropped in soup. Like just, just, it's not an overthinking. It's an underthinking. The only thought that should be in your head is, you know, how is this best consumed? And and repeatedly in the last few weeks, she's made bad judgments, I think, on that question. Yeah. The fried, the fried biscuit too. Where it's just yeah, like, nobody wants on. a fried biscuit. What's the pleasure of a biscuit? Is tact when it's tactile and the, and the fluffy or the layers if it's a drop, or like whatever it is. Like it's just that's nobody wants a fried greasy biscuit. Um, the biscuit already does enough work itself. But anyway, I'm disappointed for you. I mean, I, I you know I look I, I enjoy winning the week in terms of points, but I you know I like to watch these chefs. I mean, look, one of my complaints about this season is I think that the median chef contestant is worse than it's been in quite some time. I'm sorry. You know what I noticed in this episode, and kudos to you on this for picking up on it. It felt more serious this this episode that we didn't get any of the um, the shenanigans from from our friend uh, from our friend from our friend Sam. It did feel a little bit more grown up this episode. In what respect? Without Sam. Oh, oh, you mean like yeah? Okay. It felt a little bit more adult. It felt like we we've got some really serious chefs, and it did feel like ju- I didn't re- I didn't quite realize how much Sam was lowering the not the IQ level, but just lower lowering the seriousness of uh, of the show, and in a way that I 
I didn't quite feel until I watched this this episode. And like maybe we need a little bit more of that whimsy, um, cartoonish character. I, I actually didn't miss him in this episode. Yeah, I feel like I'm being. I want to kind of not so much apologize to our listeners. I, there's something about this season that isn't clicking for me here yet. It just isn't. And by the way, that's not to take anything away from Evelyn's lovely dish. And it's been fun to watch Buddha work and 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 Demar keeps you know pulling rabbits out of his hat, but. There's something about this season that isn't clicking for me right now, and and I just think it's a combination of factors. It is that I do think it's a little soft. Um, I didn't think this challenge was terribly creative. Uh, I don't think the chefs are incredibly skilled. I'm seeing fewer LeBron moments. Yeah, of like yeah. wow, like wow, like like, and I'm I'm just I'm not getting it. I don't know necessarily. And hey, it's early. It's early. Uh, but I'm I'm a little bit and, and look as I've always said the worst Top Chef is better than any other competition show I ever watch, so there's that. But I mean it, maybe it's a good time for us to kind of redraft. Maybe if I'm mad at myself for my bad talent analysis. <laughs> well, yeah, let's do a redraft of the remaining contestants. There's there's nine contestants left. I'm going to give you the first pick because you are the winner right now leader in the clubhouse with 74 points to my 43 to three for Mays. we'll get to that in a little bit um who would you take with your number one overall pick though he's only ranked fourth in fantasy total i would go with buddha i just think there's more upside there i think he's got techniques that are going to come in extremely handy when some of the lesser chefs are off the board and you're really it's it's good versus good versus good versus good. And I just think that I think Buddha would be that choice for me. Me too. I have him number one, even though he trails Jackson in the scoring system. Uh, I would have Buddha too. I think he just consistently churns out great dishes. And though they're not winning every time, you see that there's actual thinking behind it and an actual story and it comes together. He um he has the highest upside for me. And I'll, as the number two pick, I'll take Jackson here. Um, big, I mean, I over overestimated the old not having senses thing. Um, he's he's uh, he's got a, a warm personality that I think is helpful for him that he can have other people taste the food and give him recommendations, and so that you know if he's Mr. Stooge or whatever whatever you want to call it, like you're not you're not being able to lean on people for you know help on tasting the food. I think Jackson a really strong number two here, right behind Buddha. Number three, I'll go with Evelyn. I don't know if you have it in the same order, Kevin. The two contestants on your team. I have Demar and Evelyn right neck and neck. I, to me, it was one of those watching you. I would take whoever happily take whoever you didn't take there, right? Like yeah. to me, Evelyn and Demar are neck and neck in my. Yeah. Did you have Jackson too there? So Buddha, then Jackson. Yeah, I did have Jack. I've seen enough to know that this guy's just not making a hell of a lot of mistakes. He's consistently in the top third of every quick fight. Other than the Mr. Crispy Queso, which he had a nice last laugh on. He's been pretty much just chalking up W's. All right. So we'll go Buddha, Jackson, Evelyn, Damar. Can't really argue with that. Right. I have Damar. If you take Evelyn, I take Damar fourth, and then I take very quickly uh, Jay, who I think is is now really asserting herself, um, which basically leaves Joe, Luke, and Monique kind of in the uh, – and Nick. So I, 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 you know, it'd be interesting to see who you would – if I took uh, Damar and Jay, who do you turn around and take six and seven out of those four remainders? I take Nick. 
I think Nick has another level that he hasn't shown yet. He's winning. Um, he has shown that he can get into that top three. And obviously with the most recent quick fire, uh, I think he's really strong. And he and DeMar, um, we, we had him at the very bottom of our draft, but I think they are, they are supremely on top of, um, like in the, like Luke and Joe, I, I just don't think Luke, Joe and Monique are definitely in my bottom. I think Nick is in a different tier. If you're asking me next to go, it might be, I mean, I never said this. I thought I was totally assured of her competence, but Monique is just, I think, scuttling. Um, going back to the, the barbecue, I mean, it, I, one of the things I'm, something new I've started doing is trying to guess. We know who the three top and who the three bottom were in this 10 person. Um, I imagine that it's a very, that, that, that DeMar and Jay finished fourth and fifth or fifth and fourth. They, the chefs really, the judges really like Jay's Cajun brisket. They love yes. DeMar's. Uh, just the, what he assembled with the candied yams and the braised cabbage and the consomme and the pickles, just kind of perfectly. Another, to me, another Chef Gregory type dish. I had them fourth. I had Luke probably seventh. Yep, yep. Oh, no, Nick seventh. Nick seventh. Nick was the, would have been fourth on the bottom with his boring carrot puree, his boring collard green gremolade, and his boring harissa sauce. Yeah, immunity didn't really, he he kind of mailed it. Yeah, he just phoned one. it in, which was really disappointing. I mean, show me a little something. You, you got immunity. You can do anything you want. Uh, and then so I had him seventh. I had Luke sixth with his brisket and onion sauce. And then fifth or fourth, Damar, Jay, or Jay or Damar, and then obviously the top three. What else did we learn? Well, just to round out, we got Monique after Nick. I think I'd go Luke and then finish out with Joe. That's how I would have it. I'm a big boy. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I got Buddha at number one, Jackson two, Evelyn three, Damar four, Jay five, Nick six, Monique seven, Luke eight, and Joe at the last pick. Luke's the toughest one because, again, he's high variance. You know, like if you told me, hey, there are a series of technical challenges coming up and he just like hit him out of the park. I wouldn't be surprised if he racked up another, you know, 15 points before we saw him leave. And then if you told me he just craps out at the next elimination because he makes something completely unedible, I would say like, yeah, that sounds right too. Yeah. It feels weird not to have Jackson number one after being in the top five on five straight challenges. Um, But I do think that Buddha has the most upside and Jackson, what if he starts getting his taste buds back? You know, he has that extra gear he can hit. So maybe we're maybe we weren't giving enough love to Jackson, but he does go up flying up our board from the from the initial draft to at the number two position here. So counterpoint, Tom, counterpoint. What if he is hindered by his ability to taste and actually slows him down because he's been operating in this blindness? And then once the vision comes back, he loses a step. What happens then? Mm, this is why we loved having Maze, you know, chiming in here with the not ombudsman here, but I love that because when you look at this, maybe that is kind of a crutch that he needs is the the fact that he's not tasting his own food. He's relying on other people. I just I just worry that that can hurt him. Maze is that once we get down to three, four, five chefs left. They're not going to be so nice, right? I think maybe everyone's so nice on this show now. Oh, oh yeah. Everyone gets their participation trophy. You know what, though, Kevin? What? If a certain chef comes back on this show, I feel like we will get our villain. Who? Last Chance Kitchen. We had three contestants on Last Chance Kitchen this week. We had Robert, Sarah, Leah. 
Robert actually kind of throws Sarah under the bus this week and saying, I saw that she's the reason why I am here. I thought I did. I pulled my own weight and she did not. And I wonder how Sarah feels about that watching the last chance kitchen. Cause we know a lot of times we've, we've talked to chef testants after the, after the fact, they watch this show not knowing which one of their commentaries are going to be clipped, what they're going to use on the show. And they're kind of – they don't get to see everyone else's confessional. So Sarah watching Last Chance Kitchen this week and hearing Robert throw her under the bus, ooh, that's got to hurt. Yeah. So you think Leah is villain material? Yeah. I mean I hope. Yeah, I do. Why? Because she's got a chip on her shoulder. She was sick as Maze has, has repeatedly shown us the light on. She was sick and she feels like, hey – that was a technicality. I I should be I should be in this competition still and I don't know, kind of underdog story. I feel like she's going to come in and be like Iron Chef America. She has that pedigree, Kevin. I feel like she's going to come in here like it's WWE and her music is is going to come out and the rest of that crew doesn't want to hear her her music. I think they know that Leah. Man, I feel like I'm taking all of Maze's talking points here is that Leah is a crouching tiger here. No, I don't disagree. Look, there's a reason that they've left her in Last Chance Kitchen, that they haven't elevated her to the big show. The rest of the chef testants aren't ready for this, okay? <laughs> they gave me a little bit of a scare with this Sarah winning the first part of last chance kitchen challenge. But then they said who had the best dessert. And when I caught a glimpse of those ricotta donuts, I knew it was game over for Robert. <laughs> Leah yeah. is coming for the knife. <laughs> that caramel sauce was really good looking. Look great. That was some good looking caramel sauce. I love me. I, I like, and when you went to like McDonald's as a kid, Tom, did you get the chocolate or the caramel Sunday? Oh, the caramel. Caramel. Absolutely. Remember they had the strawberry for a while? That was good. Yeah. The apple pie, two apple pies for $2. I was big on that one too. I don't know. I was, I was always partial to – in Atlanta, we had, there's a chain called The Varsity. Not a chain. Actually, it's only one or two. But uh, there's a burger place. It's famous. Largest fast food restaurant in the world for a very long time. And, and they had that kind of a much – much frankly better version of the of the apple pie and a peach pie as well but but i was always yeah it, to me that's a it, it's a really good uh rochart was is do you like the chocolate or the hot caramel meanwhile because like we can't get the hot anymore apparently apparently like there was some suit in the 80s or 90s where like the hot fudge and the hot caramel in the mcdonald's like sunday was fusing with the plastic of the cup and so oh, they had to make it really? no, right. Because remember how perfect that hot was relative to the the cold soft serve. Yes. Oh yeah. They don't you know let you do that anymore because apparently it was like yeah it was like burning the plastic and then you would eat and turn into a Martian or something. Well, I thought what was interesting about this this last chance kitchen is that um, Robert goes home for. I think more for because of the the ceviche rather than the buttermilk cream pancake. It's so boring. The pancake, you're saying? No, ceviche. I love ceviche. Don't get me wrong, but like you're not going to beat a jerk – like a prepared piece of it. I mean you could even see Tom when judging the ceviche. He's like, you know, it was fine for ceviche. You know, it was just like – there's such a ceiling on ceviche and I think it's – it's one it's thing safe. to have it again on a one-on-one, or you just need to be good enough not to go out. But I think in a Top Chef Last Chance Kitchen, only one of these three dishes is going to be the winner. There's no way you're going to win with ceviche. No, you're not. It's it's such a safe dish because there's actually no cooking involved. You just dice it up, throw in some acid, and that's it. And so, I thought that the fact that he was using the cream rather than the buttermilk, he was really going to screw up, and he had to do a much thinner pancake, which actually plot twist. 
Brooke Williamson actually enjoyed. And so that was that was surprising. It to did me. look very sad, though. It looked it sad. really did look like vom. I'm sorry. Really it did not look sad. very good. And, and Robert goes home after throwing his dear friend Sarah under the bus. The tire marks are still on her back and she is remaining in the competition with Leah. It is very confusing. Now they're expanding the bracket with two different chefs in Last Chance Kitchen, bringing in a third chef to go uh, against them. We'll see how that goes. But I just love um, I, I, Tom is bringing a lot of a lot of heat with the bad puns. Um, Padma too. Padma's been dusting off her pun machine recently as well. It's a function of age, Tom. It is a function of age. That's right. And I think Tom is, is I, I love last chance kitchen and, you know, we get to see Sarah and Leah move on, which means that maze, your fantasy team has three points, one point at a time, baby. Congratulations. I don't know how soon we are to getting the, the, the call up to the big leagues, but she can't be too far away. They can't keep her out of the competition for too much more time. Folks. Yeah. coming for it i think one of the things that's happening tom if i saw the the previews it does appear that there's going to be an ashley sarah leah playoff and someone's coming back it looks like let's go baby someone's coming back i am rooting for ashley to win for selfish reasons for team haberstrow but actually me my heart wants Leah to come back. I think Leah would be a great story. We need some of that, right? We need a little Absolutely. bit of uh, a story arc in this in this uh, in this season of Top Chef. Kevin, I read a really cool story uh, about one of the chefs in or the the pitmaster from this episode. Um, I thought it was really cool. I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, to the actual article for people if they want to read it at Texas Monthly. Old meets new at Houston's latest gem, J Bar M Barbecue. A cool story about how a 93-year-old restaurateur is backing this Texas barbecue joint from that pitmaster um, that we saw from J Bar M, which is a weird name for for a, a shop there, a barbecue shop. But it is a really cool story. Um, Willow Villarreal and uh, his wife, Jasmine Barella, a a story if you want to read and just kind of get a little bit of a backstory. I thought that was really nice. So check that out at Texas Monthly. Um, and you know what, Kevin? Like, I, I, I'm with you. I, I We need a little bit more drama on this show or a little bit um, – too soft it's too soft in the belly in the middle we need we need some little story arc a little plot twist in this season and leah coming back would i think fulfill that so i'm rooting for that you've sold me i i think we need a we need a jolt of leah but still fun stuff tom it is fascinating to see kind of the chef arcs i'm excited about evelyn i think jackson's a good story and look maybe as the field winnows down we'll get some sharp elbows uh we shall see any closing thoughts tom buddha's gonna win it all baby for tom haberstrow this is kevin arnovitz and this is pack your knives Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. 
Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.